welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk, and Studio Talking Art of Living. Adam, what's going on, man? It is so good to be here with you and our devoted listeners. <laughs> do you do you really mean that? Yeah. About me, not about our listeners. Yeah, it is good. I, I look forward to this. Every week. Every week. Yeah. It's a great time to discuss the faith, to visit, to grow in the faith. What gets better than that? We do a lot of visiting. We do. On air. So and off sorry, air. listeners. Yeah. And if we air. could <laughs> record the off-air stuff, it would probably be a much better show. I think we'd get more letters <laughs> for better and worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just more, yeah, it would be fun, I guess. <laughs> but it would be too long. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a listener who wants to sponsor that after-hours program. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're right. It would be long. It would be like a couple hours. Yeah. That's not too the bad. The after hours, the art after dark. Art after dark. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I think we should do a Have You Seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real though? I am for real. So if you don't know this, what you do, or if you don't use this terminology, you'll know it today. Mm-hmm. We actually live on what you would call a corridor. Corridor? Mm-hmm. We live on the I-10... I-49 corridor. I've heard of this, yes. Okay, like literally, like I can hop on Interstate 10, I-10, mm-hmm. where we live in South Louisiana, goes through right through Lafayette. Mm-hmm. That interstate going east will take you all the way to the east coast. You I've don't even it. have to get off. I've done it. Or all you can go west, and it'll go all the way to L.A. And I've done that too. So like, like literally, like we live on a road that, that does that. Mm-hmm. Like we within mile, like we're okay, and then the I forty nine corridor goes north south. How how far does it go north? It doesn't make it all the way up, but where does it stop? I used uh, to know this. Well, it goes all the way north to Shreveport, and then it then you can kind of reconnect and then keep going. Oh, okay. north. But uh, have you ever driven I ten like the whole I ten? Yeah. To L A. With a moving truck. Wow. To Phoenix, and then yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we live on this corridor, which means that vacationers are up and up and down, mm-hmm. east, west, north, south. Okay, yeah. So in, in big cities, people worry about tourists coming to the city. We worry about tourists just driving through our city. Just driving through. <laughs> okay, uh, and so you can end up if you're at like probably like at a restaurant, coffee shop, whatever, on the corridor, you're going to run into vacationers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Easy to spot. Yeah. So anyway, have you seen this? So uh, I was at a local restaurant that was off the corridor, and a huge group of people came in. Old people, young people, kids, family, big family. Like, they but, were related. But multiple. Yeah, they looked. And here's how I know. Here's how I know. Okay, here's the have you seen. Here's how I know. They all made T-shirts that said the family name on the back. Wow. And vacation, whoa, 2019. People do that. Apparently, this is a thing. God bless them. So, family name, matching T-shirts, family vacay 2019 is what it said. Wow. And, you know, 25 of them sat at a table and had breakfast, and I'm like just looking at this situation, and I'm thinking, have you ever seen this? No. I mean, if your family's vacation is something like a summer camp. That's like next level. That is next level. I don't even know how you how you do it, but I don't know. Would you do a t-shirt for your whole family? No. 
Like y'all have made long trips, but as your immediate like family, would you do a t-shirt be like Colorado vacay conks no. 2019? No, and and look, full disclosure, I love my siblings. There's one or two that would be totally into things like that, and I propose such things. And without hesitation, I will say things like no. No. So the greater I love family. You. I love you, but no. Yeah. Yeah, vacation is one of those things like for me, like if it's not a vacation, like where you could rest and vacate, I don't want to go. Well, I think people... Everybody's got different opinions yeah, on that. But I think... I want to analyze you a bit on that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because most, most of us, and I say us, including me, in the church um, as Catholics, like we're involved in our parish, we're involved maybe in our diocese, we're involved in a nonprofit or something, but we're not traveling a lot, and we're usually not putting on big events right? Mm-hmm. But you have lived a life for a while where you've traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've done the whole traveling thing. You've put on highly organized things and had to worry about details about all of that. And you've done your time. So around, I am around a lot of people, right? So I imagine when you imagine what is a vacation, that's true. It doesn't include a lot of travel because you do that already. And it exa- it's, it's exhausting. Whereas for me, travel's fun. Yeah. Getting on a plane, I'm like, this is great. You yeah. Know? And you don't want to have to plan a lot of details with a lot of people and coordinate a lot of schedules. I think that's my guess. No, you analyze it perfect, honestly. Wow. Perfect. Like an ideal vacation to me is <laughs> low travel, mm-hmm. no people, very little people, like mm-hmm. downtime, and no logistics. Yeah. Like, because that's what I'm getting away from, because that's, for the most part, what I do. Yeah. You know, travel, people, logistics, right? Can I add one more? Yeah. You help so many people figure out so many things. Right. Oh, my gosh. Like, in a given week, your mental energy spent on solving life questions is tremendous. Mm -hmm. So, I imagine that's the last thing you want to do. I don't want to think. On vacation. (laughs) I don't want to even think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like if somebody starts telling you their problems, you're like, you know what? Here's a Mai Tai. Let's just relax. <laughs> I'm done. I'm vacating. So you're right. Everybody's kind of coming mm-hmm. from a different experience of what they need. But I just think the t-shirt thing, like that's just next level. Yeah. Excitement. Yeah. I appreciate it for those they people. They're fired up. They're fired up, man. They love their family. Like they're, they're hitting vacation. They're going hard to the paint on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I do like to go harder than paint when I am vacating. But um, my ideal family, our ideal family vacation that seems to work for us is we go somewhere we've never been and we just kind of explore and enjoy, like ha- experience the city or the area or like the mountain or wherever we're at. Just experience it for a few days and come back home. Like that's, that's the way we like to vacate. It's all about the experience. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, we're in that season, man. We're in that season where... You know, people are traveling, vacation. You know, and here's the thing about vacation. I'm going to get into our topic today because it's um, – I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. Um, but, you know, when you go on vacation and maybe you go with other family members or other friends and you're in this small space mm-hmm. vacating together, what you begin to realize is like, you know, people begin to see you maybe in a different light. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't see you like – perfectly dressed or they see what you look like in the morning or when you get aggravated with your kids or mm-hmm. when you're tired or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, that's not my ideal vacation, but I've been in vacations. I've been in places where it's like, oh, wow, 
people are seeing me in a different light. Now, my family does that all the time because we live together. Um, but here, here's the thing is like, w this is when, you know, like people love you is when they see you at your worst and they still like you, mm -hmm. like they still love you. They still choose to love you. Like that's when, you know, someone is really a true friend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that implies several things. I mean, one is that implies a level of sharing life where you would get to see faults because we naturally just want to put up every barrier to someone finding out that we have a fault. Right. As if it's a surprise. Right. Exactly. And this is what I love about, you know, you know, the season that we're in uh, with the readings and, and the gospel readings and this Easter season and, and, you know, this season of resurrection. And we had talked last week about wh what is it like to walk with the resurrected Jesus, right? What does that mean for us to be a resurrected people? And, you know, one of the scripture readings this week was, um, there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Speaking of Jesus, like, there's no greater love as a friend than to lay down your life, like to, to give everything that you have, right? And I think oftentimes we, when we think about that, um, and at least when I do, I think, like, why in the world would God choose to be friends with me when at my worst I'm not worth being friends with? Like if mm -hmm. I can, you know, full disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. Like at your worst. But I think oftentimes we not only pretend with each other, hey, I got it all together or sim, you know, you know, semi all together. But I think that reflects oftentimes in our relationship with Christ is like, mm -hmm. I kind of have it together so that you can love me and appreciate me. But that's, that's not even like real authenticity when it comes to the relationship with Jesus because mm -hmm. he sees past it all. Yeah. And you got to remember that God as a being is so much different than the other beings in our life. You know, like we love things because we discover that they're good. For example, if I, you know, I'm browsing Netflix looking for a movie and I find one that I just love, I discovered it. It was there already. There are good things about it. And so I love those good things. And this, this is the people in our life. I discover my wife. I discover, you know, and, or it's somebody in my family that I don't have to discover. They've been, but I discover something good about them that I didn't put there. You see what I'm saying? It's something that is extrinsic to me, but with God, he discovers nothing. So everything good about me comes from him. I don't need to impress him as if, you know, here, here's some good thing you didn't think of, God. Like, here's, a, here's my new angle I'm putting on this good thing. <laughs> right. um, and this is why he loves us. He doesn't love us because he discovers us as good. He loves us because he creates us as good. Mm -hmm. He loves the good that he gives, which he, he makes no defective human beings. Even our... Our sins deform who we are, but they don't define who we are. Right. Our definition is good. It's a good definition. Even in hell, you know, we're good in that we exist. We're good in that human nature is good. But we've been so deformed if we're in hell that we're no longer even recognizable for who we were meant to be. But we're still, we, we can't completely lose the goodness God has given us, you know, because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we're good. He, we are good because he loves us. Yeah, I think the tension is uh, two ways here. Is one, there's nothing we can do to impress God. Right. I mean, when he creates us, he's already impressed. Right. Because we're good. 
So we can't go through life trying to impress God like he's going to love us more. And, the, and then the flip side of that is we try to hide ourselves at our worst, thinking that God won't love us at our mm-hmm. worst. And yet that's the entry point oftentimes for really getting to know the Jesus who died for us rose from the grave to prove that he loved us, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about the resurrected Christ. Like he didn't, he didn't die in vain. Like he died for a purpose. He didn't rise for no reason. Like he rose to claim new victory for us in our hearts. And, you know, I think we oftentimes have tension around this idea that I have to have to do more and impress more because I'm so so afraid to be my, you know, just my real self. And I'm afraid of failure and shame because I don't know who's gonna love me in that, you know? Mm-hmm. And in, in human relationships, we've we've been hurt, you know? And I often say like marriages take the real turn to to a, to moving towards a, a a thriving, healthy, good marriage when two individuals begin to love the other broken person unconditionally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even in our imperfectness. But if that never happens, the marriage never really takes the turn, right? It just yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's just constant tension. It's constant mediocrity. Or well, you're it's constantly separation. looking. You have you're self interested until that moment. Right. Really, I mean, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, and I, and it's a permanent thing like marriage, and I, there has to be a point where I actually become grateful for the faults that the other person has, not grateful for the sin, right? So, for example, let's say a spouse. But is, you're able to love th- that person even in their fault. Right, but even like not despite the fault, but the fault becomes a way of loving them. So, yeah. for example, like. If a spouse tends to get angry easily, okay? I'm not talking about the sin. I'm talking about just an imperfection and a, a fault, right? Well, I can grow a lot from my spouse's fault, my spouse's tendency to get angry. Like, I can grow by loving this person in that fault and caring for them and helping them manage their anger and, like, these kinds of things, you know? And so... I'm grateful for the fault, all right, I could be, there's potential to be grateful for the fault because of the growth it could give that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yep, exactly. All right, this is a good conversation. We're going to come back. We're going to dive deeper into this. Will you, be, l- will you be my friend? <laughs> there's some layers here, man. We're going to reveal some stuff about Adam, too. <gasps> we'll be right back. Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk in studio talking art of living. Art of living. (laughs) All right. So here's what I was thinking Uh about you. Uh Uh-oh. That most people wouldn't know about you. Okay. Okay, so we're talking about real authentic love, and this is kind of funny story about Adam is, okay, so... When Adam, when you're talking on the phone, mm-hmm. okay, the cell phone, and thank God you didn't grow up as a kid when I was a kid that had cords on the phone, mm-hmm. okay? They didn't have wireless, you know, smartphones. Well, and, 
To be fair, that was my life until about college. I didn't have a cell phone till till about college. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so when Adam, when you talk on the phone, uh, you pace. Yes. Like you literally pace like a madman. Like, like a madman. Like you're on a mission back and forth. But I can tell. I can tell what type of conversation you're on. By the way, you pace. <laughs> Your pace changes whether it's like a business call, it's a tense call, you're dealing with an issue, it's a family call, it's your wife, yada, yada. <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell. And you know what I got to say about that? You know what I want to say right here, full disclosure? I love you, despite that. <laughs> despite that. Despite that, like you're just a pacer and I'm trying to get your pacer. attention. I'm like, Adam, I'm here, I'm ready to record, and you're pacing. <laughs> Somewhere my wife is like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. She's laughing. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. I'm a pacer. In fact, I work at Cathedral downtown Lafayette. And if I get a call that I know is going to be a little while, like more than a minute. You walk outside. I'll get out and go walk downtown. Just like, I mean, I might do like half a mile on that. That's good exercise. I think, I don't know, it has a calming effect where I could focus on what I'm thinking about. Right. And talking about. If my body's doing something, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I need no distractions when I'm on a call. But, you know, we're different, and we're different humans, mm-hmm. and all of us uh, have, have different unique gifts, talents, personalities, and then there's different layers of all that. Like, there's some quirks about us all that are just funny and unique. You're a pacer, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a private vacationer. Like, you private know, vacationer. I mean, we're – but then it gets into, like – our story and our brokenness and our history. And, you know, it's like oftentimes I feel like in in our relationship with other people and in our relationship with the Lord, we've kind of, we've kind of all determined where the stopping point is in our vulnerability. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like how far am I willing to go in an authentic friendship with you thinking if Adam really knew this about me, would he in return still choose to be friends with me, right? In your marriage, you could do that. In in your relationship with your children, your family, obviously you have to be guarded in some sense because you can't trust everyone, right? Right. Like, Like not every, you should divulge everything to everyone, but there are, there is an important human element to having authentic relationships in our life. And I mm-hmm. feel like oftentimes we, we, we have the stopping point in our human relationships that if, if we push through, we would experience real authentic love that we've never felt before. But if we translate that into our relationship with God, I think, it, I think it's there as well. Sort of this stopping point of like how vulnerable am I willing to be in my relationship with God because I'm super afraid to unpack some of those things. Yeah, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with self-knowledge, self-vulnerability. So what can I reveal to God or to others that I'm not aware of about myself? And most of the time, we don't want to think about... Now, there's, there's the anxious mind that dwells on mistakes, dwells on inadequacies, dwells on whatever. Um... But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like letting the gospel challenge us, for example. You know, like if I read the gospel and I get challenged, am I willing to sit in that challenge and learn something and grow? Or am I the type of person to run from that challenge? And if we constantly run from ourselves like that, then that hurts our vulnerability with God because we 
we can't give him what we don't know. And if we don't know ourselves, how do we give him ourselves, you know? Right. Well, if Jesus doesn't love us at our worst, the cross makes no sense. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it. Yeah. Because we have no worst. But here's the reality. Jesus died for you individually, for me and every listener, everyone out there. Mm-hmm. Because at our worst, we we have the inability to save ourselves. Right. Like hands down. Right? Right. So Jesus loves us at our worst by choosing to die. There's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're his friends. Like he chose, he made a decision, a free will choice mm-hmm. to give his life so that we could find freedom at our worst, right? So so the cross makes no sense if there is no worst, and neither does the resurrection. Because what what does he rise to prove? Only that he, he can glorify himself? Like... Mm. No, because he was all about the Father, the Father's love for us, right? For God so loved the world, all of us, that he sent his only son, right? Yeah. And how would we know what awaits us if he didn't rise, you know? Exactly. If he rose for us to show us this is what I have for you if you follow me. Right. And I, You know, I've had many conversations with people and even myself, right, in, in my own self-work and, you know, talking to my wife Gretchen conversations that she's having and what we do and mentoring and coaching people. And, you know, there's this conversation just recently where this young lady said, uh, you know, if I peel back one layer, I'm afraid of what else is going to come up. So I'm just not going to do it. Right. Right. So, so she, uh, had a stopping point. Mm -hmm. This is how far I can go in my vulnerability with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And yet, the Lord loves every layer, hands down. And he's already aware. So if you were to ask your question, like, what's your deepest, darkest hurts or brokenness, or w- what do you feel or look like or act like at your worst, the Lord doesn't turn his back on that. He actually looks at that and says, I passionately love those things just as much as I love you when you're at your best. Mm-hmm. I don't change my love for you. So if my love's consistent, why are you unwilling to allow me to come in to those places and love you? Yeah. Well, I think one of the issues we have is that we don't model this love to each other much. I remember a couple times where someone did this for me, and it was very powerful. I was much younger, maybe 18, 19, and I'd really disappointed somebody, like a a person who was important to me, like a mentor type person. And I didn't like intentionally hurt this person or do, but I had dropped the ball big time and disappointed this person. And when it came time to, to face that and have the conversation, this person's only concern was helping me understand why and like dealing with me in such a way that would bring healing. Hmm. And this person asked some questions like again just kind of put peeling back the layer so it wasn't addressing how my behavior affected him which is usually what we do right like if someone mistreats us we want them to understand this is the effect you had on me because you mistreated me but his concern was what does this reveal about something in you and how do how do i help you how do i help you find that healing this is how god is and you know i wish every christian I wish we could all take advantage of those moments when we could love like him in that way. When someone mistreats us, that we could 
take as that opportunity to love like God would love, because then that would make it easier for that person to pray right. and to journey with Jesus, because they can see what that love is like, and then it would it would help pull back those layers in their own prayer. And, you know, I've used the analogy of marriage. So when marriages take the turn, it's when, you know, the spouses uh, stop pointing out each other's faults mm-hmm. and start authentically loving the other person in their faults. Not to the point where it's codependency. I mean, there, well, there's a difference between fault and sin. And there, there, remember that. Yeah, there is a difference between fault, brokenness, and sin. The, the, it's not codependency to where you're not like, hey, you probably should be working on that. Mm-hmm. Right? You should probably be journey, journeying with that. You should probably be getting counseling or talking to the Lord about that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to not love you. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so there's this balance. But I think even oftentimes, like you said, in our human relationships, it's not modeled. Um, but even in our human relationship, here, and here's, here's the, the crux of this conversation, is that even in our human relationships, um, those are imperfect, mm-hmm. even the best of them, right? But our relationship with Jesus, he's perfect, his love is perfect. There's no fault in his love, right? right? There's dysfunction in our love. There's there's brokenness and woundedness in our love. There's shame, fear, guilt, anxiety in our love and our life, but not in his, not in a his way of loving. And so there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It was total and complete freedom for Jesus to to do that. But here's the thing is that because the Lord's love is timeless and God is alive, that he's loving us in that way. Now we can receive that love and be in that relational love with Christ. Now today, allowing him to come into our, our layers per se, and bring about healing and clarity and self-recognition, but it hurts like sometimes, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. Right. It hurts a lot. I remember, I mean, and this is, the spiritual writers have talked about this for 2,000 years, is that this journey is painful in a lot of ways, and that's why a lot of people turn away, you know? But it's not painful because, like, you need to do more penances and get whipped more. It's painful because you have to journey inside your own heart and let God reveal to you certain things that are painful to deal with, but you come out on the other side holy. Right. And for a lot of us, this is the big challenge. Do you let the challenge of the spiritual life deter you from the reward of it, Hmm. from the relationship? Hmm. I mean, that's every relationship. Do you let the challenge of marriage deter you from a good marriage? Do you let the challenge of parenthood deter you from being a good parent? Same thing with the Lord. Do you let the fact that this is going to be difficult and challenging to you keep you from giving him all you got? When... We have freedom to choose, and the Lord respects our freedom, our freedom to choose. You mm-hmm. know, so so we could choose to say, Lord, I want you at a distance, or we could choose to say, no, Lord, I want you to love me, you know, even though I don't know what that might mean, right? Mm-hmm. I was meeting yeah. with this, this guy re- recently who, you know, had a conversation with his, his uh, superior or whatever, and, uh, you know, it was like a, it was like one of those evaluations that went bad. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a healthy, never fun, yeah. fun evaluation. And so the guy really took the evaluation like to heart, like to like 
bad. And so, you know, had this list. And so he's like, it's just all bad. Like, I don't, you know, I can't believe, you know, she did this and said all these things. And, um, so I just said, okay, uh, realistically of the evaluation, is there anything in there that you feel like is based on truth? Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe what she said, like there's layers of like that are just, is there anything based on truth? And then, you know, sat back and said, yeah, there are definitely some things that are based on truth. What are those? So he's like, well, boom and boom. And I said, so why do you do that? You know, and he said, well, I don't, I don't know. And, and then he started to unpack, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of failure. So, well, what's at the root of that, you know? Well, I, f- I feel like, you know, I won't love myself or people won't love me if I, if I, if I don't have it all together. You know, mm. so like these layers begin to peel back, you know, of like what was underneath behavior, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I mean, where do you go when that begins to happen? You know, I, the only way to go, only place to go outside of real authentic human relationships. That, but the only place where we could see real healing is our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Like to talk to the Lord about that and let him begin to speak to those things. Yeah. And remember too that it's not it's not God's project to create perfect human beings. It's God's project to share his love and his life with his creation. And so the church and our relationship with God in prayer like none of it's designed to create us as the ultimate uh you know human holiness cyborg thing. Like that's not the goal. Right? And so what is the goal? Well, that I am loved by God and I love him back. That's the goal, right? Like he gives me all of him and I give me all, give him all of me. That's the goal. And there are things in me that keep me from giving him my all. And so I think I'm, I'm imperfect. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. You can give all of your imperfection. Like why are we so afraid of our imperfections? Because heaven is not awesome because we all become perfect. That's not why heaven's awesome. Heaven's awesome because there's nothing in the way for me to receive all of God and give back all of me. That's the life of the Trinity. It's the life we're made for. It's what the whole project is about. It's not creating these perfect little Christian soldiers everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of times our message in the church, in our spirituality, is... You know, you need to get on this, uh, like it's bodybuilding or something. Get on this this path where you could buff up all your virtues and become the best version of yourself. And like, okay, well, that is, that's not what Jesus said. He said, come follow me. Let, m- let me into your life. You be in mine. Following is you give everything to me. That's what following is. Mm-hmm. He already gives us everything. But following is, Lord... I'll just follow you wherever you go. That's how you give up your life for a friend. You follow them. Right. You know? Because otherwise, you still have your own house. You still have your own stuff. You still have your own life. Following means my life is about you. That's it. That is the Christian project. Right. And there is no virtue without healing. There is right. no virtue without authentic love. There is no virtue without receiving God's love. There is no virtue without self-recognition like the two go hand in hand Mm -hmm. like and so i've seen many christian people burn out on self-trying yes like they've hit a brick wall on self-trying 
their body wears out their you know their spiritual mm-hmm. muscles you know it's like because all all the layers begin to catch up and boil over and you know it's like you look at this perfect human and yet inside their own home they're like raging yeah. you know inside their own heart they're broken or depressed or anxious you know and so it's like the two aren't matching you know and that's why it's like you know, well, the lord loves us from the inside out not the outside in mm-hmm. like at baptism like the lord lives inside of us like we we don't teach the lord like you know like sits like on like the outside like on our shoulder you know right. like two angels like the lord lives in us the ability to love us from the inside out mm-hmm. not the outside in right and so like the two have to go hand in hand and it's the ability to be um come to this place in our life is like lord you're the only one who can love my authentic self you know you're the only one that can that knows like like everything and yet still perfectly loves that man or woman boy or girl you know mm-hmm. and what do we do with this love we respond like saint john of the cross says love can be repaid only by love in return and how do we love jesus really is it when it comes time to make a moral decision, I make the good decision. Yeah. That's part of it. Part of it. Is it I go to Mass on Sunday and I say my rosaries? That's part of it, right? But what did he say? Whoever loves me will keep my word, right? He said, follow me. He said, go, <laughs> right? So, I mean, if we listen to how he asked us to love him, it's with a certain generosity where I am... I am detached from anything that would keep me from saying yes to whenever Jesus tells me to do something. Following his commands, following where he goes, and going where he sends me. And for some of us, this is why we run from vocations. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this, Paul, like a gazillion times. But when young people come to me and they want to discern the priesthood for like years, you know, it's like, okay, so you think you might be called. Well, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, you think Jesus is calling you to do something that he really only wants you to act on in 10 years? Because if he's calling you right now, he he's dealing with the next step in your life, right? He's not worried about 20 steps. He's worried. He sees it. But he's going to give you instructions for the next thing. And the way you're generous to him is to do that next step with complete generosity. Right. Go all in. Yeah. Short of that, you're just going to stay stuck, you know? We can't follow him that way. And stuck stinks, man. Stuck and I stinks. think we all know the feeling of feeling stuck, stuck spiritually, stuck emotionally, stuck, you know, and it physically stuck, you know, like this feeling of stuck. And I, th- how many times can we uns- unstuck ourselves? <laughs> and that's where we exhaust ourselves of just constantly trying to be God of our life, to yeah. to be to be the center. What on vulnerability? We can get stuck. I think a lot of us are willing to be vulnerable with the things we know about. I say a lot of us. I think serious Christians, we find it relatively easy to say, okay, I know these things about me. I'm going to go to confession with it. I'm going to open up to God. But we get to a point where we hit a plateau in that vulnerability because then we have to be brought to things we don't know about that God's going to actually reveal to us. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of us are not willing to go. Right. And that's the painful area. Um, and so we stay stuck in our vulnerability with the Lord and in our intimacy because we're not willing to follow him into things that would reveal these. And sometimes to we us. need other people to help us walk through those areas. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the vulnerability of, hey, do you see this in me? Where do you think I, I need to go for help? Or what do you think I need to do? Or what questions should I ask? Or how should I pray? And, you know, I think one of the greatest things that we can do is seek good counsel, spiritual counsel, mentorship, counseling, uh, friendship, of where we have people in our life who can help us to peel back the layers and then direct us on what to do. Because if, if we're, if, if we're the only ones piloting the ship, like mm. eventually, like we're not going to, we're not in the mechanic room knowing what goes on. We're just driving. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like other people are going to be able to help us. And th- I think that's huge, but that's where we kind of shut the door on the vulnerability. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and then, there we go. All right. We'll be right back. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio talking all things that are pertain to life. Yes. The art of living, broad umbrella. Well, look, we started last segment with you talking about me pacing when I'm on the phone. I revealed a, so, a very, a very vulnerable, intimate thing about. So Adam. I'd like to start with this segment revealing your phone habits. Oh, I have a phone habit. Yeah, you might not know. I thought you were going to reveal another habit. No, uh, let's go f- in the area of the phone. Okay. So, <laughs> Paul has the habit of. I guess attention tunneling, like just very tunneled attention. And so you could be talking about something. He picks up his phone <laughs> and starts texting somebody or looking something up, and he is not listening to you anymore. That's so true. So you just wait. You just wait. You just wait. Patient. And then he's back, all in. Oh, uh, my wife is cheering, clapping, <laughs> and hoping that there's resolution to this right now. She's hoping that this intervention that's happening on air. <laughs> Will translate into habit change. Well, I mean, well, I don't know what habit you need to change. You you give your attention fully to whatever is grabbing it. Well, and in full disclosure, because we use that word a lot here, we'll just keep using it. <laughs> is that instead that, of half disclosure, that is a uh, a habit of someone who's a little ADD is mm-hmm. hyper focus. You know, like you you can't get anything done unless you block out everything else. Mm. because my attention, like, it just is all over the place. Like, yeah, so I don't know if anything needs to change. It's just funny. Well, I think what needs to change, and, and honesty, like, one of the, because this is good in a sense that, you know, we could have a habit, or we can even have a personality, but we could grow. Yeah, we can grow. We can mm-hmm. grow, and I think that's huge. Like, one of, like, when you talk about this, one of the things that I need to grow in is, like, I need to, I need to be present to you because I was talking to you. Not mm-hmm. shift gears to my phone, okay? But if the phone was more important, say one of my kids was calling or texting because 
something bad happened, an injury. Right. Right. Like the conversation on the phone is more important than the conversation with you. What I need to be able to do is let you know that. Mm. Hey, give me one second. I got to take care of this because this this is important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that you're not assuming, oh, he's just like, you know. Looking up cat videos. Looking up cat videos. <laughs> exactly. So I got to do You've a thought about this. better job. You've thought about of, this. Yeah, I'm, I, self-aware. Well, man, help me out with my pacing. What do I need to do? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just stay put? No, I mean, if pacing's the way you talk, I mean, that's great. But it's kind of weird now that you mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I walk all over the compound. Maybe pace shorter distances just in case uh, something happens at home. And, you're like, here, and your wife's here. like, Adam, you paced two miles away, <laughs> and so-and-so just fell and broke their arm. We couldn't find you. Oh, Lord. Well, anyway, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you a round pin, and you could just walk in circles. I would do it. Like, I would totally do that. Yeah. All right, so... Let's do a six-pack of questions. Question. I like to do a six-pack of I'm Let, going there. Let's just do a six-pack of calling each other out. That would be hysterical. That would be hysterical. I don't know if I could come up with six, to be honest with you. We've already called me out on one, which is pretty good. I'm surprised I was able to think of that. Like I was thinking, like, what to... But it came to me over the break. I can call you out on your beard. All right. What about my beard? Well, somebody told me that... All right, so call out number one. <laughs> Somebody told me that the beard is like one of the dirtiest things on, you know, the body. I've heard the same. I've heard the same. So to me, that's like kind of disgusting. And I have a big one. Yes, you do have a big <laughs> beard, but you keep it clean. So it's not like a... I do wash it every day. But anyway. I, but I've also heard for that reason, it keeps that stuff out of you. Yeah. Like, and that when people have a beard, they tend to be less sick. And I must say, I've had a beard for a year. I can't remember being sick. I remember having a cold a couple weeks ago, actually, but that's it. I think if you grow a beard long enough, it deforms your face. Ah. Like, not while the beard's on there, but when you shave, it's like Mm. your face, like, changed shapes. (laughs) Like, we had a friend that did that. It's like, wait, your face changed shape. Like, you haven't shaved in, like, five years, and your face has changed shape. It's really weird. Yeah. Grow the beard back. All right, so first question. All right. Uh, question number one. So I like to do a six-pack of going there. Okay. Because you know how people say, like, oh, like don't go there. No, they well, say, like, oh, don't go there. And you're like, no, oh, I'm go going there. there. Okay. So, so how to go there with Jesus. Boom. Six-pack of going there. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So question number one, um, what do you find is a, a good way to help stabilize this, like, vulnerability vulnerability with Jesus over time. You know, we tend to do this at retreats, let's say, or at some kind of event where, all right, I'm willing to be open and honest and, like, admit to certain things. But then we settle back into a routine of, of just, you know, I don't know if it's our busyness or if our need to have it all together and feel that way. But we're, we tend to be vulnerable with Jesus and others at certain points, but not in a stable way. So what would be a good suggestion of, like, making that a habit? That's good. Often say emotionally, and this is a stereotype. This is a generalization, so it's not true for everyone. Often say like emotionally, when things get tough, men have an eject button. Mm. So emotionally, like when it comes to a tipping point, it's like you know, as a as a as a man, you just want to like eject out of the situation. It's too much. As a woman, they have a rewind button. Like they just kind of want to keep replaying the same situation over and over. Like you know. 
that's a generalization. Uh, but I say that to say this is that uh, if if self revelation begins to kind of come up and and there's layers and and you want to begin to journey into why do I do what I do and how do I begin to receive healing and growth is to not to not hit the button either reject or rewind or fast forward but just to to stay in that and allow Jesus to kind of walk you slowly through the process mm. so Bookmark it, earmark it, like stay there, journal on it, talk to people about it so that you can begin to dive in. And it may be like one emotion or one feeling that, and then you kind of dig in on it. You talk to someone, you begin to get a little bit more clarity, pray and ask the Lord to journey with you, love you in that vulnerability. See if there's something else there. Is there another layer there? And so, so not to be afraid because the Lord's never going to un cover something that you can't deal with mm. never going to uncover something that's going to unravel you to where he can't hold you up you know yeah so don't be afraid of allowing the lord just to meet you there and walk with you at the pace that he wants nice all right question number two for what's this are we going we're there? going there oh okay we're going there Ooh, buddy. <laughs> so you've worked with a lot of people on their prayer life and their journeys and stuff and we kind of all have a tendency to gravitate towards those things that in the spiritual life that are comfortable or we like or like, oh, that suits me and just not do things that we don't. Is there some legitimacy to that? And there's some danger to that of mm-hmm. just having gravitating towards things that we enjoy or find comfortable or like uplifting or whatever. I think that's a great conversation. Like, I think it's hysterical when people say, well, that's just not my spirituality. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Like I could dissect that for days because it's like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know. So you're saying it could be someone else's spirituality, it's just not yours. Well, what is it about it? Oftentimes, when when I when people say sort of a generalization of like, well, that's not my way, my spirituality or my approach. I think oftentimes it's because they're afraid of another approach or another way. Like they're afraid, mm. honestly. So what are you afraid of? You're afraid to pray a different way. You're afraid of what God might do. You're afraid, afraid, you know, to whatever. Like, and so what ends up happening is we get so comfortable actually in our spiritual framework that anything outside of that, we just like turn away from, mm. you know, any outside idea or way to do or, you know, and so what ends up happening is we, that framework begins to block God's grace from working. Wow. So it's all about spiritual formula. Now, if mm-hmm. I do this, this, and this, I get this result. That is, as you were saying earlier, like just spiritually working out will last for a certain time until we're just the self-trying wears out. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. You did, and we're going there. And we just went there. <laughs> th- that's what this segment is at. Oh, we're going there. We're going there. Question number three. It seems like a really good friend of not going there is rationalization. So, like, we'll rationalize our own behavior or other people's behavior that we want to rationalize. Otherwise, we're ready to judge somebody to the ends of the earth. But if we want to, we'll rationalize it and say, well, it's really not so bad. Or rationalize our own behavior. Rationalize our own behavior. So this power of rationalization that keeps us from the truth and keeps us from being vulnerable with with the Lord, how do we identify this in ourselves and, and kind of deal with it? Like, what... 
what does it mean to rationalize behavior like that? And how do we identify that in ourselves and break ourselves out of that? Yeah, I think rationalization is, is it's, a, it's a negative virtue. You know, uh, it's a habit that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the ways to counteract that, like one saying that you could be aware of, that we almost all do, whether in our mind or vocally, we, we say it out loud is, well, this is just the way I am. <laughs> so if you ever think that or say that, this is just the way they am, use that actually to turn it around and be like, is this really just the, or am I rationalizing my behavior? So if this is just the way they am, basically what you're saying is I'm not open to change. I'm not open to growth. Even if it's like, you know, you're a person who runs late, this is just the way I am. Well, okay. Maybe your personality tends towards like lack of time management, but doesn't mean that it's not something you can't work on. But it could be deeper things. Like, this is just the way I am. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just mean when I'm tired, you know, so just deal with it. That's a dangerous statement to me because mm-hmm. when we get in that habit of saying, this is just the way I am, what ends up happening is that negative behaviors just begin to grow. And we, what we do is we tell other people, it's your problem to deal with it. Hmm. We're going there. We just went there. All right, question number four. Some of us really struggle with honesty. And I mean like literally. So lying is not a big deal to us. You know, if if um, if it gets us out of a jam or if it makes someone's happier or if... And sometimes we get so used to it that it's it's not even an issue. Like our heart isn't bothered by it. Can you talk to me a little bit about the importance of honesty and like if that's us... What do we do? Like, if we know that about ourselves, like, what do we do with that? If you're willing to, here's a, here's a rule of thumb. If you're willing to lie about one thing, big or small, you're willing to lie about anything. And if that doesn't scare you, then you're probably a narcissist. Hmm. Like, honestly. Explain. Like, if it doesn't scare you, if it doesn't scare you or frighten you to think, I could lie about anything if I'm willing to lie about one thing, if that doesn't freak you out and be like, whoo, okay, like I need to, I need to deal with this. I need to hop out of, hop out of that habit. Then you're just a narcissist basically like, yeah, I will, I'd lie about anything for the sake of me. Because mm-hmm. lying is about cover up. It's about, it's about protecting the self. Lying's about, it's all about me. Like it's, it's the, it's one of the, the key characteristics of someone who's super narcissistic. Wow. We just went there. We just went there. <laughs> Six pack. I don't know what there. else to do, but just to drop <laughs> that. All right. Question number five of going there. I want to talk about prayer for a second. So how many times have you heard, I think I think I need to have a deeper prayer life or pray more, or I'd like I think God's asking me to pray better. But like we just kind of sit in that for a long time, and we kind of become comfortable with that. Like it's okay that I don't pray enough, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How do? What's effective in kind of getting us to the point? Like, are we all just like that? Should we all just sit in? I wish I could do more for God or love God more. Or is there actually a place we can exist where I feel like I am praying enough, or praying the way God wants me to, or I am? You know what I mean? Um, is there something that can be done to where we feel satisfied with our relationship with God? I think in, in a marriage, like when you have consistent conversation, there becomes 
intimacy, you feel like, okay, my spouse and I are connected. Mm-hmm. I don't, we could probably be more connected, but we're pretty connected. And then when there's distance, it's like we're disconnected. We need something to kickstart us back. We need a date night or a weekend away or, you know, a good conversation to kick us back into intimacy, right? Mm. I think the same is with the Lord. We kind of get stuck in ruts and we get stuck in patterns of praying. And sometimes we need to do something different, you know, get a kickstart. And so if you always pray a certain way and you're not feeling like it's fruitful, maybe change your approach for a while. Maybe take a season to do some type of something different to like pop you out into into reaching a, a level of intimacy with the Lord, go on a retreat, have a conversation, like get something to like, you know, get a good date night in type thing, you know, like to, to just bring you back into intimacy. And I say, you know, there's no timeline on, on how long you should pray in a sense as, as much as are you, are you receiving the intimacy in your prayer? Like that, that's the whole point is to be in conversation with the Lord. I love it. All right, question number six. So vulnerability, vulnerability. Paul, as you've gone and spoken to so many people, what's the weirdest thing you've ever revealed about yourself, like publicly, like in a speaking arena? What's the weirdest thing you've let people know Weirdest? About? Yeah, like this is a weird thing that I do or about me, and you just told everybody, room full of people. Hmm. Well, I've always heard the saying, I mean, and I think, we always have to be honest and truthful, transparent when we're with people or talking, but there's a, a balance there. But I always follow the rule that you always preach about what you've been through, not what you're going through. Mm. There's danger about preaching about what you're going through because there's 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 no resolve. Mm-hmm. It's it's emotion still. And you could end up like really confusing people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But what you've been through, you've received clarity and healing and a journey. So you can reveal those things and what the Lord has done and brought you through. So I don't know if that's a rule of thumb to answer your questions that mm. I kind of follow. Um, and then what I'm going through, I have people in my life that journey with me, but it's not it's not on stage or it's not mm. you know, in a talk or whatever the case may be. So I don't know if I've ever... I tell a lot of stories right. when I talk, um, and so usually making fun of myself or <laughs> right. other people, you know. <laughs> and uh, well, what's one that stands out? That's well, just one I was telling a story about a pregnancy story, and you know, I said placenta. I think I went too far. <laughs> <laughs> that was the line, the placenta line. I held the placenta, and I think it just grossed people out. <laughs> so it was less about like me, but uh, my wife. <laughs> Didn't appreciate it, but I did. Like I really did. That did happen. But <laughs> so anyway, Doctor Damon Cudahy would be very proud of me. By the way, I bet he is already. Yeah, yeah because I mean, as a OBGYN, he would know oh, all word. about placentas. Oh my word! Yeah. Well, thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, great conversation, man. Great show. Way to end it too. <laughs> it's your fault, by the way, because you asked the question. But anyway, uh, you can get the, get the show online, discovertheartofliving.com, on podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. <laughs> and uh, yeah, keep listening to the show, share it, create it, be vulnerable with it. <laughs> As Paul and Adam. 
talk to you next week. God bless.